Well, good evening, everyone. It's not, uh, this might be the first time that I've gotten to lead worship and also preach a message. I've had the chance to do both separately, but there's a first time for everything. So I appreciate you being here tonight. This is Maundy Thursday. Uh, this is a night, as we've said, where we remember the Last Supper. We remember these last moments that Jesus had with his disciples before he was handed over to be executed. And we've already heard from the scripture tonight, we've already heard some of the things that took place over the course of this Passover meal. And as you can see by the table and by the station set up here, we'll have the chance to reenact uh, these, these acts of foot washing and communion because these are things that Jesus said that we ought to imitate as his disciples. But I think as we come in here tonight, we also know that, that there is a deeper meaning. There's something that Jesus intended when he asked us to imitate these acts. And if you've never been to a Maundy Thursday service before, or if you uh, just sort of forget what it is every year, I know that I'm like that. Just sort of forget what Maundy means. Uh, it's, it's worth reminding ourselves that the word Maundy is not Monday, but Maundy. It's derived from a Latin word, uh, mandatum, which means uh, the, the mandate or the command. And it's referring to this moment uh, from this same night where Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he says to them, a new command, a new mandatum I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. And at the heart of it, that's what we're here to do tonight. Through reenacting these things, we remind ourselves how God has first loved us. And because of that, how we are to love one another. So if you've been with us, if you've been part of our church for this Lenten sermon series on godly hospitality, I think that this night should take on a special resonance for us because what we see very clearly is, is that both of these acts, foot washing and, and the giving of the bread and the wine, are both very clearly instances of hospitality. I think that in many ways our, our whole Lenten sermon series, it almost culminates right here on this night because this is Jesus, this is God in flesh modeling hospitality for us. And as though uh, the whole sermon series that we've preached already hasn't proven this, I think that what tonight proves is that this idea and this practice of godly hospitality, these are not secondary characteristics of God. They're not secondary characteristics of who he is, nor are, there, nor are they secondary characteristics of who we are called to be as his followers, but rather that hospitality itself, that it answers what we're here tonight to remember. Hospitality itself answers how God has first loved us and how we are to love one another. So I think there are a few things that that we can point out tonight, but a, a few things about this night that as we start to understand Jesus as our host, as God, as the one giving hospitality, there are a few things that, that really are start to become shocking as we dig deeper into what that means. I think first we see this illustration um, of, of the inverted, the paradoxical nature of the kingdom of God. And this is something that, that Jesus modeled uh, with, with everything that he did in his ministry. He showed that his kingdom was not of this world because in his kingdom, the king is the one who serves. The king is the one who, who lowers himself, who subjects himself to, to humiliation, who takes off his outer garment and does what, what would have been in the first century a, a particularly disgusting job for, for 12 dudes walking around uh, in dirt all day. 
But I think even more shocking than that, even more shocking than what he does and how he models it is who he does it for. Now, we know that the the disciples, they were pretty ordinary guys. There was nothing particularly special about them, but, but but Jesus doesn't just reenact these things for the the most worthy and deserving disciples. He also does this for the one who would betray him. Present for all of these things is Judas. Now, I wonder what you and I would do if we knew that, that someone was going to betray us, that they were going to go behind our backs to steal from us, to undercut us. To some of you, this has happened. Now, is that the type of person that we would invite into our homes, that we would invite around our tables to receive our service and our hospitality? Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him. He already knows that Judas is going to betray him and that that betrayal will result in him being tortured and executed. But friends, even for that person, Jesus takes off his outer garment, he lowers himself, and he washes his feet. Even for that person, Jesus says, this is my body, broken for you. I think, to me, this is one of the most profound moments in Scripture because it's so unbelievably counterintuitive to our human nature. It goes against everything that is wired within us in our humanness. The image that we see Uh, In in John's gospel is just before Judas goes out. He goes out into darkness to betray Jesus. The image that we see just before that is Jesus dipping the bread in a dish and extending extending it to Judas, saying, what you're about to do, do quickly. And when I read that, I I hear the sadness, the pleading that, that, that I think must have been in Jesus' voice. Just come on. See what this is. See what I'm trying to do for you. And of course, he doesn't get it. Judas doesn't get it. And Jesus knows that he won't get it, but he does it anyway. And what I think this means is that God's love is so deep that his hospitality extends even to the one who would outright reject and betray it. As Eric put it a few months ago, God loves us all the way to the full, and he loves us all the way to the end. Now, when we start thinking about this in the context of this new mandate that Jesus gives us to to love others as he has loved us, I think that that this puts things in perspective, and it it puts them in in not an easy perspective, in a a really challenging perspective. It gets pretty hard. Now, for most of us, I don't think that this means that we just start inviting really dangerous and treacherous people into our homes. I don't think that that's what it means for most of us. But I do think that it absolutely means that we are not off the hook. That we are not off the hook from extending hospitality. And we are not off the hook from extending hospitality even to those who have wronged us. Now I say this with, with a sensitivity that, that, that this is real and this is not easy and that this is not a transformation that takes place overnight. That, that for many of us this is a process. And that's okay, but it does mean that we're not off the hook. Because if we, if we think of a person who has wronged us, who we have justifiable anger towards, 
For some of us, there are some pretty deep wounds there. But when we think of that person, if that person exists in your life, can we think of anything more counterintuitive than lowering ourselves and washing that person's feet and serving them? In our humanness, we want to win. We want to be right. We may even want that person to suffer because they've caused us pain that we didn't deserve. We didn't deserve the, the pain that they caused us. And so because of that, they are undeserving of our service. They are undeserving of our hospitality. But friends, if we are Christ followers, if we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, it means that we are only alive because we first, deserve, we first were given a life that we never deserved. Jesus didn't deserve to suffer. He didn't deserve to be sold out by his closest friends. He didn't deserve to die on a cross. But he did because he wanted us to know life more than he cared about the justice of his own suffering. And friends, that's the good news. That's the good news, that, that, that no matter what you or I have done walking in here tonight, this table is set before us, and Jesus says again and again, this is my body, broken for you. But he also says that if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep this new mandatum, this new mandate, and love others the same way I have loved you. And it's a hard process. It certainly can be, but we, if we are living out this new command, I believe it's who we are called to be. So there's one other thing that I think this moment in Scripture points us to, and that's how much hospitality matters in the darkness. Leading up to this point in Scripture, uh, we, we get the sense that, that Jesus' disciples are understandably pretty confused. They're they're arguing amongst themselves because Jesus has been saying all these really cryptic things about he's going to the Father and where he's going they can't follow. And so they're kind of looking at each other like, what's he saying? But Jesus knows. Again, he knows what's going to happen. He knows exactly how bad things are going to get. He knows that this is the last chance, the last moments he will have with his disciples before they descend into what will most likely be one of the darkest and most confusing points of their entire lives. But how does he prepare them for this? Does he, does he call a meeting? Does he, does he bring them into the situation room? Does he put up a, a, a presentation? Does he preach a sermon? No. He prepares a table. He says, come and be comforted. Come and be nourished. Sit with me. Talk with me. That's how he prepares these men for what will be one of the darkest points of their entire lives. The hospitality of God matters, and it matters in the darkness. There's a moment in Scripture that, that when I read this, the, the recounting of the Last Supper, um, I always think of a psalm, and, and it's a psalm that many of us have memorized. It's Psalm 23. Many of us know this by heart. And in this psalm, David is describing God's provision, and he's describing God's provision in this same context, in the middle of darkness, in the middle of, of suffering, and when things are really, really bad. But what comes out is this same language of God being the host, the God who extends hospitality. Psalm 23, of course, says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Friends, when I read that, it's, it's just as shocking to me. It's just as paradoxical to me as Jesus washing Judah's feet. Because David could ask in this psalm, and he does in several other psalms, just, God, get rid of my enemies. It would be so much simpler that way. But in this really sort of, sort of sobering way in this psalm, David takes on a different tone, and, and he acknowledges that the provision of God is hospitality within the suffering. That somehow, though, though the, the suffering and the darkness are not taken away, that somehow our cup overflows in the midst of them. And I think that that's what it means for us tonight, that, that our life in Jesus ought to be so good that somehow, paradoxically, in the midst of whatever situation we find ourselves, we still find ourselves with more than enough. On the same night that we're, we're talking about, after Jesus has washed his disciples' feet, he's given them uh, his body and blood in the form of communion. And he says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because I go to prepare a place for you. Because my Father's house has many rooms where you will stay. You will stay as a guest. When Jesus has, has resurrected and he, he appears to his disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, what is he doing? He's preparing breakfast. Friends, the hospitality of God matters. Everything that we have been talking, talking about throughout this entire Lenten series, it answers what we are here to remember tonight. How has God loved us, and how are we to love each other? It's right here. I'm going to pray that we remember this tonight, that we might go live this new command. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this chance to be here tonight. I thank you for this table, Lord, and for your hospitality. I pray for the hard situations that, that we can find ourselves in with, with forgiveness, with forgiving others. But I pray, Lord, that, that your spirit would break down the barriers in our hearts, that we would be willing to show the same kind of love that you had for us to our friends, Lord, but to our enemies as well. May that further your kingdom. May the worship and our fellowship and these things that we reenact tonight be honoring to you. We do this all in Jesus' name. Amen.